بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والنجم إذا هوى ما ضل صاحبكم وما ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة لمن كان يرجو الله واليوم الآخر وذكر الله كثيرا وقال الله تعالى إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على حبيبك ونبيك سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا ونبينا محمد وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا جز الله عنا سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم آته الوسيلة والفضيلة وبعثه مقاما محمودا الذي وعدته واجزه عنا أفضل ما جازيت نبيا عن قومه ورسولا عن أمته وصل على جميع إخوانه من النبيين والصالحين يا أرحم الراحمين أما بعد Together, inshallah, we will be looking at a day in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How was he spending his day? One is to study the seerah in detail. And of course, there are a lot of details in it. But at this time, we just want to have a look at his daily schedule. What was he doing from morning to evening? And this is important for every person who likes to see 
how this great man achieved such a great success in his life. The greatest man and the most successful man in the history of the world. There is no doubt about it. The one who over the period of only 23 years transformed a nation that was considered to be most illiterate, uneducated, with the highest rate of crimes into a nation that produced teachers and the best leaders for the world. That world has never seen these type of teachers and these type of leaders. Those criminals who didn't know anything other than just showing their strength and power and trying to just kill people for the smallest thing became the saviors of people's lives. How did he achieve that success? As I said before, we look into the full details of the seerah. If we know his daily schedule, how is he living? What is he doing? What are the secrets behind this success? How did he change that history of the world? Not just the history, surprisingly, even the geography of the world. Everything changed. And everyone has to admit to the fact that it changed to the better. At a time when people, most of the people didn't know how to read and write. And he starts his message with, اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق. خلق الإنسان من علق. اقرأ وربك الأكرم. الذي علم بالقلم. علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم. Talking about reading and learning and teaching. And then all of a sudden, a verse comes that shocks the world of that time. They never heard anything like it. And that is, Noon wal qalami wa ma I swear by the pen. Allah says, I swear by the pen and the writings. This was the start of it. And then we see where the education have gone and reading and writing and learning and teaching have gone to this level from the day he started bringing the change to this world. Of course, not only Muslims, even non-Muslims will benefit from looking at the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. As we see how he applied his own teachings in his life. Is not just talking, is not just lecturing, is not just telling people to do it. We see how he applied his own teachings in his own life. Any person who likes to achieve success in life, any person who likes to organize his life, who likes to be a successful father, who likes to be a successful husband, who likes to be a successful leader, who likes to be a successful man of the society has to look at the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
A person who wants to build a strong personality that does not know what failure means, every step it's towards success and achieving his goals, has to study the life of Rasulullah If we look at his commitments, we look at his dedication, perseverance towards achieving the goal, you won't find any other example like it in the history of the whole world. That is our Prophet The life is full of success. There is no opening for any laziness there. No one can say, on that day, he said, I don't feel like doing it. Not a single instance in his life where he would say, I didn't feel like doing it. This is a man who always grabs every opportunity towards success and achieving his goals. Every opportunity. You can see, just like a hunter sitting and waiting for the prey, and he does not want to miss the opportunity. This is how Rasulullah is looking for opportunities to educate people, to teach people. A woman looking for her child and thinks that the child may have been killed when she found the child and she grabs her child, hugs her child, she kisses him. Right there, he grabs the opportunity and he says to Sahaba Ridwanullahi alayhim ajma'een, do you think she would ever throw this son of hers into a fire? Said, Impossible, Ya Rasulullah. See how she loves him. He says, Allah loves human beings more than she loves her child. See the opportunities. And the fire of his life is full of that. The life is organized. Treats people according to their nature, not according to his nature. Very important fact that normally we forget, especially as elders and as teachers, as leaders, treat people according to their nature, not according to ours. Don't impose your feelings and your situation on others. Rather, treat them according to their feelings and their situations. You never find a single incident in his life that he went into the house and he's extremely upset, doesn't talk to his wife, and he says to her, don't talk to me today, I'm exhausted, it was a long, hot day, I don't feel like talking to anyone, just give me a cup of coffee and I just want to sit and enjoy myself. And I hear here, I see a big smile everywhere. We are so used to doing it. Because that is the place where you know that you can take your frustration out. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, not after just a long day, a long, difficult day, hot day, where some of the people are breaking the treaties with him. Some of the people are planning to attack them in Medina. In fact, he gets the news there are people who are plotting to kill him. 
as he walks into the house, his wife never misses that smile that she's used to seeing on his face. He's not treating her according to his situation, treating her according to her situation. She had been waiting for me to come home. How can I go back, go, go into the house and take out my frustration on her now? All people used to consider them to be one of them, one, one of them. They would consider him as one of them. Youth would think that he is one of our circle. And he used to treat the children in such a way that they were very comfortable talking to him and playing with him. With all of this, he would never allow anything to come between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Balancing things at the right place. And then as we will look at his day, we will see that his life is very, very clear. There are no dark spots in his life that we don't know what he's doing at this time. Don't ask about that part. What is he doing in this situation? We can't question it. No, everything is absolutely open and clear. To the extent that when he goes into his house and he is with his wife, people would knock at the door later on to find out what was he doing in the house and they get all the details of how he goes into the house, what does he do after coming into the house, how does he talk to his wife, at what time he talks to his wife, what does he eat, what does he do during that period when he's home, how does he sleep, how does he wake up. Every detail was recorded. Sahaba's eyes around him are like the cameras that are capturing every part of his life, every detail of it, and right there broadcasting it to the world. What does he earn? How much he earns? Where does he spend? Where does he get it from? Every detail is known about Rasulullah In fact, from this we can also tell very clearly that we don't even know about our own parents as much as we know about Rasulullah In fact, some of this detail is such that if you ask your own father, tell me how much do you have in your account? Where do you get it, where do you get it from? Where do you spend it? They may be offended that why are you asking these questions? These are my personal, this is my personal life. You have nothing to do with it. But for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, everything was open. With this type of life, and then when you look at it, you don't find anything where you can raise your fingers and say, I wish he would not have done this. Everything is perfect. To the highest level of perfection. In fact, is something to be followed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Quran, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا You have the best example in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's life for you. Then you look at his past. Who is he? An orphan. That grew in a society that was not 
too far off from our society of the world generally talking about the world today where no one cares about the weak people of the society. Widows, orphans, poor people, people who are not fortunate enough to earn, to make the living the way normal people in the society are able to get it, then those people will be cut out of the society into a neighborhoods that will be specifically for them and we will not live in those type of neighborhoods. He grew in that type of culture. Although people realized, and not only realized, they admitted to his high level of characteristics of morality, the behavioral values that he established that they had never seen before that, they admit to this, but yet he is an orphan. He grew as an orphan. So we cannot give him any position. When he started inviting people to the deen of Allah, the first objection we hear that came from the leaders of Quraysh, وَقَالُوا لَوْلَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِّنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَظِيمٍ How come the Quran is not revealed to one of the leaders of these two major cities of Mecca or Ta'if? It should be to one of the leaders, why to this person who grew as an orphan in our community? It's not because we have experienced something wrong from him, he lied, he cheated me. No one came up throughout the history. No one came up even with one situation to say that, to witness against him that he did this wrong to me. But no, he is not fitting into the criteria of our leaders. He has to be a wealthy man. Just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when Bani Israel were told, Allah has chosen Talut as a king over you. How could he be the king? We deserve the kingdom over him. He is not one of the wealthy men of our society. This is why we have to say, very similar to the situation that we experience in the world today. You cannot be a leader anywhere unless you have enough that you can spend millions before you get to that level. Before you can even ask people to vote for you. Then in Medina Munawwarah, we see him after the Nabuwa, after the Hijrah. He comes to Medina Munawwara. He's living in a small town that you may be able to call it a village. And he's throughout his life, he's living in a small house that according to our situation today is not even the whole house is smaller than just one room of our house where half of it has roof on top of it, the other half doesn't even have a roof on it. It's such a small house that when he performs Salatul Tahajjud, Qiyamul Layl, and he wants to go into the sujood, there is no space for him to do the sujood. 
So his wife has to pull her feet away so that he can go into the sujood. This is where he's living. And then you see his message today all over the world. In every part of the world, there are people who are calling Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. From that small home, from that small village to the whole world. To every home in the world. To becoming the most popular name in the world, Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The most popular name in the world. Go to any village in the world. If you dress like a Muslim, as people will imagine a Muslim, they will look at you, they will call you with one of the Muslim names. They know that this is Muslim. I have personal experience on this. But of course, we don't want to change the topic here. He starts his day as Bilal radiallahu anhu calls the adhan. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And every person in Medina is hearing the calls of the greatness of Allah. Who's calling it? Bilal bin Abi Rubah. Who is this? The person who, who accepted Islam in the early days of the da'wah towards the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then for years he was being tortured in Makkah Mukarramah. And from the day he was set free, from the day he was set free, he accompanied Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam like his own shadow until the day Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away. This is the man about whom Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu used to say, Abu Bakrin Sayyiduna wa a'taqa Sayyidana. Abu Bakr is our leader, our master, and he freed our master Bilal radiyallahu anhu. Bilal is our master. The streets of Makkah witnessed the days that went into years when Bilal is being dragged on the streets of Makkah Mukarramah with a rock on his chest, getting beat up with iron roads. And as long as he's conscious, the only thing they hear from him, Ahadun Ahad, Ahadun Ahad. There is only one God. There is only one God. And finally, that sacrifice paid off. And people saw the day when Bilal was standing on top of the Kaaba and he's calling Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. The leaders of Quraysh who are not Muslims yet, as they saw Bilal standing on top of the Kaaba calling the Adhan, Safwan, as who was one of them later on accepted Islam radiallahu anhu, he said to the people sitting around him, I wish I would have died before seeing this day when this slave has to stand on top of the Kaaba and call the name of Allah. But that was his sacrifice. 
that he became finally from Ahadun Ahad over there, he became the leader of all the Mu'addins that will come in the world from that day till the day of Qiyamah in dunya and akhirah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to him, Bilal, when I went to Jannah, I heard someone walking. I asked the malaika, who's walking in front of me? They said, oh, ya Rasulullah, this is Bilal as he's walking on the streets of Medina Munawwara. We hear his footsteps in Jannah. Why? Because from the day he came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he accompanied him, he never left Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So much so. That after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to walk around in the streets of Medina and keep on crying that this is how I used to walk with Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam over here. Sahaba had to beg him, leave Medina. You are going to kill yourself crying so much. Go and live somewhere else. He couldn't stop crying while being in Medina. So Bilal will call the Adhan. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would get up. If he has to make wudu, he will make wudu. Will perform two short rak'ahs. Normally he would recite Qul huwa Allah in the first, Qul ya ayyuhal kafirun in the first rak'ah and Qul huwa Allah ahad in the second rak'ah. He is still home. After the two sunnahs of Fajr, he would lay down. If his wife is awake, he would talk to her at that time. Subhanallah. He is not, as we said, man of opportunities. This is a time that I can talk to her. Before I leave home, we can talk a little bit about something. Make her feel good. Let her, let her understand my leaving home is not because of disliking being at home. And if she's sleeping, he would not wake her up. He would just lay down and wait until Bilal radiallahu anhu would see that people have gathered in the masjid. He would come and call Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for salah. As soon as he gets called by Bilal radiallahu anhu, he would wake up, he would get up and walk into the masjid. Straight onto his musalla to lead the salah. When Bilal radiallahu anhu used to see him coming into the masjid, he would start the iqamah. Sahaba, as they, would, as, they, as they would see him coming into the masjid, they would stand up and straighten the sufuf. He would go on his musalla and lead Salatul Fajr. As I said, we don't have time to go into the details now of what surahs he used to recite, how long was the salah, and all of those details. We just want to have an overlook at his life. After Salatul Fajr, he used to recite istighfar three times. Allahumma anta salamu wa minka salam tabarakta ya dal jalali wal ikram. Then he will turn around and face Sahaba Ridwanullahi alayhim ajma'in. We will stop today here. And inshallah, in the next weeks, we will continue about this daily schedule of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, hoping to be able to adopt some of his daily sunnahs into our lives so that we can also achieve some of what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam achieved and bring back to life the lifestyle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah open these doors of love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for all of us.
منك غير الله